This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hi, my name is Becky Sedgwick and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. And this is the Parenting for Faith podcast. And this week... I've been thinking about something we talk about quite a lot of parenting for faith, the idea of being God smart and God connected. What are they and why both are important? Rachel answers a question about how to help our kids have a healthy and holistic view of sin. And I chat to some good friends about their experience of church going wrong. And we'll end as always with a question to start an interesting conversation. So let's begin. So for our cornerstone this week, I wanted to talk to you about another of Rachel's famous phrases. Um, If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you might remember that a few weeks ago I talked about her phrase, give them the whys, not just the whats. And this week I want to talk about another one of those. But first of all, I'd like you to do an experiment. Now, obviously, if you're driving the car or you're bathing a kid or you're cooking with one hand and doing something important with the other you might not want to do this just do it in your head so basically I'd like you to stand on one leg or think about standing on one leg and just like maybe just see how long you can stand or try doing other things while you're standing on one leg and actually of course we all know that what would happen is very soon we'd wobble or we go off balance or we might fall over completely and we're not made to stand on one leg. God's designed us so that we've got two legs so we can be balanced, so we can move about, so we can turn and react and jump and change direction and stand for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours walking around. He's given us two legs for a reason because then we're strong and we're balanced and we're flexible. Um, They're remarkable things, legs, when you start to think about them like that. But that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, just like God's given us two legs so we can be balanced and move and do life well, so we can be really have a solid base for life. God's given us two ways to know him, to give us a solid base for our friendship with him. So I want you to think about them as as two legs, if you like. And this is where the phrase comes in. It's God smart and God connected. And basically all that means is, God smart is when we know about God. We might know through sermons, through the Bible, through talks from other people. We know facts, if you like, about God. And God smart and God connected, sorry, is when we know him like a friend. We can chat to him. We can turn to him. We're, we can trust in our relationship with him, if you like. It's a bit like if you imagine the Queen. I know loads about the Queen. Um, like most people do, you know her age, you know her history, you've seen films or news clips, you know the names of her children, you know she lives, you know she's got corgis and doggies. Um, we know loads and loads of stuff about the Queen. But that doesn't make me connected to her at any level. I don't know what it's like to rush into her um, her living room and tell her something. I don't know what it's like to go rummage in her fridge. I'm sure she has a fridge that she rummages in. I don't know what her pet name for a dog is. I don't know how she'd react if I told her a joke. 
but our kids do because they're connected to her. And if we think about our relationship with God on those two levels, that's what God smart and God connected is about. And the reason it's so important, the reason this phrase has made such an impact on my life is because we need both. We need to be God smart. We need to know facts about him. We need to know truth about him. Because then we don't go off track. We we have truth to hold on to about who God is and what he's done. And, and the Bible teaches us loads about that. But we also need to be God connected. We need to be able to, to gain to that relationship place with him so we can get strength and comfort and power that comes from we need to, to know him like a friend, like a beloved dad, like someone who will never let us down. We need to be God smart and God connected. And the two of them together give us a great foundational balance for our life with him. Now, my story is, as a kid, I was incredibly God smart. I, I love reading the Bible. Well, the truth was we were allowed to read in church, but only if we read the Bible. And the sermons in our church were 45 minutes long. So that meant I had to read the Bible or nothing for 45 minutes a week. So I read the Bible a lot, but I really got into it and I loved it. And I was a good reader and I began to know an awful lot of facts about the Bible and therefore about God. And it was really powerful. And I think it was what stopped me moving away from God completely as a teen, because I knew enough about the truth about God that I couldn't let it go altogether. But at no point in my childhood was I God connected. I didn't know him in that way at all. And it wasn't till I was in my early 20s that I met God in a new way and was able to connect to him. And it was amazing the difference it made. And, and now being connected to him is part of my everyday life. And that was my experience. And we in um, in Rachel's book and in the first session of the Parenting Faith course, we talk about this thing about being God smart and God connected. And we teach a lot about helping children connect to God through chat and catch and uh, through framing and sharing your own experiences. Um, but we also need to think about how we can help our children become God smart. Now, when I was a kid, God smart was a thing. We had memory verses, we had sword drill. Anyone remember sword drill? It was so much fun. We had to recite the books of the Bible and there was nothing wrong with that, but it just gave me knowledge about God. And so I've been just thinking about how can we encourage kids to become God smart without it just being about acquiring facts? So I've got three things, I think three little points. I think one is to give your kids access to the Bible in a way that they enjoy. When I was a kid, million years ago it was a bible and bible reading notes that's fine but now we've got so much more choice we've got apps we've got videos we've got dvds we did actually have um like 78 records on a little record player of bible stories they were quite fun um you've got things like the jesus storybook bible phil fisher's laugh and learn bible the beginners bible we've got bibles that are written for their age which are a very true to the original text um you got games like Guardian of Ancora that help children learn and explore what the Bible says. And I would also say, give them a complete Bible as well. Maybe let them choose it, one that's appropriate for their age. So they've got the complete text. And it's always worth saying this is a Bible storybook. And, you know, and, and this we can look in the Bible to see what, how the Bible tells that story. 
I think the second thing to do is to share with them how you use the Bible and its importance to you and how it makes a difference. So that being God smart, if you like, isn't just about acquiring knowledge. They begin to see that the Bible is more than just a history book or something. It, it comes alive for you in whatever way it does. I have a verse as my screensaver on my laptop from time to time, and it's, it'll be the verse which is the one I think God's given me for that, that season, if you like. And I have that up. My daughter sees it. Um, I'm currently using the Lexio 365 app, and you could share that with your kids. You can talk about times when a verse from the Bible jumped out and told you something, or a time when you needed to make a decision and you turned to the Bible for guidance, or some time when you heard something, a sermon or something that just made you understand something new about God. So one is give them access to the Bible in a way they enjoy. Two is share with them how you use the Bible and its importance to you. And thirdly, I'd like just this is this is why I think it's really important that we introduce the idea that the truth about God is rooted in Scripture. So they hear a lot about God. There's a lot of inspirational memes and, you know, on pictures on Facebook or uh, one of the schools I went to recently would put Bible verses up around the school, but incomplete. So there was one that said things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, you can put out to your kid, that is a true verse, but there's a context to that. That doesn't mean that you can do maths when you can't. It means when God asks you to do something, he gives you the strength to do it. You can talk about when there's Bible stories, um, maybe watch a video of one and everything. And you can say, oh, well, I'm not sure the Bible tells the story like that. Maybe we could check it out. I remember as a child, we had this 78 record on a scratchy little record player. And it was of some great classic actor reading Bible stories like Noah's Ark or retelling them. And I remember now listening to it. And he said in this booming voice, and God shut the door. And my mother commented, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, because the Bible says God shut the door. And most Bible storybooks say Noah shut the door. And ever since then, every time I've seen a story about Noah, I check who shut the door. But it's that sort of thing. So three little things. Give them access to the Bible in a way they enjoy. Share with them how you use the Bible and its importance to you and how it makes a difference. And introduce them to the idea that truth about God is rooted in Scripture. So that you, you give them the skills to, to check stuff out against the truth of God. So that's my thoughts on being God smart and God connected. We love answering your questions at Parenting for Faith, and we had a cracking one come in. Uh, we have recently done an episode on sin, shame, and guilt, and that is in episode 104 of the podcast. Uh, we also did it as a, well, we did it as Facebook Live, and then we used the audio on the podcast. So if you want to explore this, this idea of sin and shame and guilt, uh, we have a whole episode about it that you can pick your age group and look at it. So check out episode 104. But this question came in and it says this, having read about honor, shame and fear power cultures, I realize that I want to be more holistic in how I speak to my kids about sin and their relationship with God. I'm also aware that there's a whole raging debate around the original blessing as opposed to original sin. Have you got insights and thoughts on this? How do we help our kids have a healthy and holistic view on sin? Well, 
Fantastic question. Thank you for that. I, I would advise you go to 104. That might help you sort of grab some other stuff in terms of the episodes. But I just I wanted to, to pick up a few things about this. When you talk about honor and shame and fear and power, power cultures, I love that as parents, we get to wrestle with these big things to say, I, I really want to understand this so my kids can really understand this. And so those honor and shame and fear power cultures, I think what they do is they create a warped view of God. Um, when we're in an honor and shame culture or fear and power culture, um, how our choices make, the mistakes that we make impact, you know, how we feel that our family is being judged and I'm being judged. And therefore, if I make a sin mistake, then everyone's going to judge my dad. And, and therefore, my dad is nervous about me making mistakes and sins. And therefore, he tries to control me because he doesn't want to be judged by my choices. And it gets in this whole thing. And so I'm I'm aware that sin isn't often seen as just a personal thing between us and God, but it, it sort of can impact the, the wider um, wraparound of, of family. And also, you know, the question that came up about uh, original blessing as opposed to original sin. For those of you who aren't familiar with those terms, there's a debate upon theologians and people who think about deep and powerful things about the nature of us when we're born. Are we born sinful and needing Jesus? Or are we born with no sin on us because we haven't been old enough to make choices that would be counted as sin. And so many theologians over many centuries have written things about this. And for me, uh, if that's something that your brain wants to wrestle with, feel free. There's many, many, many things written out there to wrestle with. But for me, at some point, we all need Jesus. And so that tends to be my my starting point of if we're all going to need Jesus at some point, whether you feel in whether you are on the original blessing side or the original sin side, either way, our kids need to know how to access him and deal with sin in a way that's right. And so um, I, in addition to going to 104 and checking out that thing on sin, shame and guilt, um, I guess a few of my other suggestions about a holistic view of sin is one that sin isn't the only reason for relationship with God. It's the barrier for our relationship with God. And so if we can be positive about our life with God, what does life with God look like, feel like? Who is he in everyday life? To create those windows into the beauty of 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 a life lived with God, then sin is the is the stumbling block. Sin is the wall that we run into that stops us, that Jesus has dealt with, and we can sweep it away. And so one of the things I think for creating a healthy view of sin is to put sin in its proper place within the whole thing, which is that who God is, what God is doing and seeking us out and inviting us into relationship with him. And sin is the thing that we put up as a barrier that God has provided a way to get rid of without it having to be us being perfect. And it's great. And so if it has its proper place, then then our life with God isn't focused, isn't centralized on our sin. It's centralized on who he is and walking with him and living a life that that is blessed by him and loved by him and all that stuff. So I would suggest that we switch the focus of it. Another thing you can talk about is how God feels about sin. Often we get a bit confused or uh, muddled about how we talk about how God feels about sin. And God then comes across as... Uh, angry and um, and disgusted with all humans, um, as opposed to 
God deeply loving us and seeking us out and creating us for relationship and grieving when we choose sin and grieving when we choose disconnection and and providing ways back so that we don't have to live in that disconnection. He uh, he is angry about sin because it exists between him and his loving child. And I'll tell you, if there's anything between me and my kid, I'm going to kick that sucker down because uh, I want to be with my kid. And the kids understand how loved they are by you. And even just by using the analogy, there is nothing that's going to stop me getting from you. And that is nothing compared to how much God loves you. And that's why he doesn't like sin as a barrier. To to re-talk about how sin is can be deeply helpful with that. Uh, and it's also helpful to help them teach how to handle sin in their life, how to notice when they're sinning, how to bring it to God, how to get that removed from them and how to move on from that as, as a part of normal everyday life as opposed to a big crisis, to model that in your own life publicly, to to sh- talk about how you feel when you when you came to God and he swept it away and all of those things to just create that so that sin becomes a barrier for a beautiful relationship that God has totally provided to get away from. And we can, in everyday life, access and do it with him. I would suggest those might be some starting points on that. And uh, and check out 104 for, for more. You don't have to be around church long to know that it's not perfect. But sometimes church does go wrong. And if you're heavily involved in your church and that happens to you and you've got kids, it's hard to know how to help them through it well. I'm with my friends Heidi and her daughter Rosie today. And about eight years ago, when Rosie was 10 or 11, things started to go wrong at the church they attended. You don't want the details, but Heidi and her husband were involved in leadership and Heidi was also employed by the church. But eventually the family felt they had to leave. The process took a couple of years, though. So I just wanted to talk to Heidi and Rosie about what it was like and how they got through it. Rosie, what do you remember about that? Um, I remember the years sort of leading up to it. Um, You know, there were lots of families in the church and sort of one by one, families started to to leave the church. um, And that was quite difficult for me to understand, you know, being sort of 10 and, and, and sort of looking at, my friends just not showing up and church especially when you're a child is such a social thing so for me it was like oh I've just lost another friend to play with and then you know by by the end by the sort of last bit where we were still at the church it was very much me and I think another girl my age and that was that was it really so that was really bizarre um but yeah it was it was tricky to not really I I didn't understand you know for me it was we were we had been doing this community and and you know I watched mum and dad put so much into it for so long and then you know it was and it it wasn't all of a sudden by any means was it it was it was you know it it was a process um so sort of slowly watching you know meetings being had and Polly and I being upstairs and and coming back from that it it was it was there was lots that was unspoken to us and rightly so I think you know I I think when you're 10 you don't need to know all of that um but no it's it was certainly um very very strange and then to just one one weekend be told we won't be we won't be going back to church we won't be we won't be going that was 
it was weird. It was very bizarre. And I look back at it now and I think, you know, it was it was handled with sort of grace and humility by you guys. Aww. Aww. So, so Heidi, as a mum, Mm-hmm. How did you choose what you shared with your children and what you didn't? I think I, you know, very conscious that you don't want to have them, you know, like you said, with meetings and, you know, them upstairs and wondering what's going on. You don't want that all the time. Because well, a lot of the time it was both of you at the meetings as well. Yeah. So we would literally just be in the in the hall running around and sort of playing with the limited <laughs> toys that the church had. Um, so I think, you know, Obviously, when friends were leaving over the, the two years and we watched, I think we, we said to you that that they had fallen out with the church. Um, and then you always, always asked us, have they fallen out with us? And it would always be no, we're still we're still friends with them. Um, but they don't agree with everything that's going on. And so then um, and that we feel that God wants us to stay and that we just have to love have to a little love bit more. more. And uh and so that, that was kind of, that was always the line, wasn't it? The whole it? way through. Just, we need to love people a little bit more. We do, there's a little bit more love to give. And so, yeah, that was <laughs> and that's what we felt that God was calling us to stay and to do that. And, it's, and it was incredibly hard, you know, as you see a church breaking. And it's your family, isn't it? And, you know, um, like you say, it's all you'd ever known. Um, and, yeah, and it was. It's, it's like, a, you know, a divorce, a bereavement. You know, the pain was huge. I think in terms of sharing... I think you just drip feed a little bit each time, you know, um, sharing each week. Um, you were always really honest with me in terms of, you know, when people did leave, it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't like a cover up. It wasn't like, you yeah. know, th- they've just gone. They've just gone. And I think that that would have been difficult for us to have heard. It was always, you know, there's been a fallout and it was always a discussion, which is helpful. But even when we were leaving, it was a discussion the whole way through. It was, um well what parts don't you agree with why are we doing this and you know I'm naturally quite inquisitive as is polls <laughs> so I think that I yeah you it was it was always sort of the the honest parts that we needed yeah to go Which is, I think with everything isn't it in parenting being open always having that discussion always having that opportunity to have that discussion mm-hmm. um yeah. So how, how did you help them see that church can go wrong without mm-hmm. that necessarily meaning church is a bad or an unsafe place? You know, we're, we're, get, we're not always going to get things right. And I think it's, you've got to acknowledge that and you've got to know that, mm-hmm. you know, that church is just like anywhere else, that we make mistakes, that we don't communicate as we should, we, and we don't love as we should, and we don't, we don't forgive as we should. Um and, you know, it's God's desire is for us to work in, you know, in, within that. But, you know, sadly, um, we're human and, um, you know, we sin. So I think, yeah, just from that sort of sharing that opportunity, you know, sharing that. I remember again. lots of conversations about forgiveness. And because especially as Polly and I got older, trying to work at like we seen the sort of it left dad in, you know, in yeah. a very different state of mind um, and seeing the damage that had been done Polly and I were both quite angry I think it's fair to say we were we didn't understand why something that had been so loving for so long was then the cause of quite a bit of pain so we both struggled to forgive but again there was there were conversations around that and I think that often we're taught that you know 
forgiveness is this kind of absolute and it's you know it's a bit (laughs) wishy-washy when we're taught it and this was you know forgiveness in practice um and forgiveness on a big scale as well like it was I think we always took it back to God as well yeah not not just about the church you know we still believe in God you know and that that is still God is still the same today as he was you know you go through all of that um but Mm. as a church we are human and we fail no, I, I know. I remember that it was it was really, really painful. It was a, a, <laughs> one of those situations which is drawn out and painful for quite a long time. So as a parent, how did you um, how did you share your feelings appropriately without burdening yeah. your children? Yeah, because, again, you know, you don't want to hide that fact that, you, that you're hurt because otherwise you're not telling them, you know, showing them by what's going on in your life that actually in life there are going to be times that are hard. But let's see how we deal with that. Let's by talking about it. You know, that's a problem shared, a problem halved, all of that, you know, that positive kind of knowing that talking is so important. Um, so and then obviously they, you know, also, you know, there were times when, you know, when it affected our mood because it was just all consuming. Um, particularly, you know, I had a chance to change my job as part of mm. that. Um and again, you know, I think just that little bit to say, look, it's okay. I am hurt. I am I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember <laughs> walking into your bedroom and you were just absolutely in floods of tears Aww. because you had found a verse about God holding you in the middle of a storm. And it was about a year after it. And I, and I, in fact, it, maybe it wasn't. I think it was when you got your new job, your current job. Um, and I just remember sort of walking in and, it's not very often that you see your parents sort of experiencing the same emotions that you are like yeah and it, I, I I think that you know that was really important I was I'm not going to say that I've seen you cry loads over the years because that's not true but like I think it's important for you know yeah. otherwise it feels alien doesn't it you know if you're crying all the time as a kid and you don't see your parents crying you're thinking oh gosh this is maybe this is yeah. just me and I you I think that seeing you feeling real emotions and, you know, you pulled yourself together very, very quickly and sort of we spoke about it, but yeah. Yeah, I think it is important. And I think, but knowing, as you say, then, you know, you move on from that and you're able to have a positive Mm -hmm. way forward and knowing that God's still with you, even though, you know, you've moved onto a, you know, it's a different route. It wasn't the plan. So what (laughs) advice would you give to a family going through church conflict? That's a hard question, isn't it? Yeah. It is because I don't want that for anyone, but I'm aware of the reality that, as I say, we are human and sadly there are going to be things that that um that either, you know, there's you know, just a whole variety of issues, aren't there? But I, I think, you know, being open sharing that because otherwise you know I didn't realize that as an adult, as I said, as I said earlier, you know, I always believed that, you know, that I I believe in reconciliation so I just presumed that that would be my motto that I wouldn't just leave a church and you know that wouldn't be the way um but actually I think it's a, it is an important lesson um that we need to you know we need to try our utmost obviously like we did and we stayed to the bitter end and it oh, just yeah. got even more painful but you know um those things make me stronger though don't you I you know I wish we hadn't all had to go through that and I you know I'm still sad or sad for the 
the you know particularly for the older people that yeah. were left in the congregation that, that didn't feel able to you know for whatever reasons and they were family you know family and you know how hard and how broken it is but I think I do think you know it's part of that journey and I just think you yeah, have sometimes you have to go through that and if that is part of you know but as a family I was going to say keeping the family unit was you know we all it was it was something that we sort of had to do together yeah so we did it together to know the intricacies of no definitely you know who said what and you know the theological differences and everything else and to be honest as I've got older you know I'm 19 now but you've shared stuff with me I know for a fact you haven't shared everything which is fine you know mainly because you're old and you can't remember um, <laughs> but also because you know I don't I still don't need to know all of that and I, I do believe that you know it's, it was in the past but I, you know I've been told more as I've grown up and you know understood some of what was what yeah. was said and, and, and where those differences that, were and then important lessons really really important for me and it to what's going on with me so they're not just going to tell me just you know and you'll never guess what happened next. I think <laughs> it's more just like this is a bit like when we were leaving the church. This yeah. is what happened, and so it's it's been lessons in application. Yeah, and different people that you're gonna come into contact with, and how you know how mm. um, how you deal with people, really. Yeah. And finally, this week's question to start an interesting conversation. Who helps you answer the big questions about God and how do they do that? Happy chatting. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.